Time for our spotlight on KRWC. It is our first Tuesday of the month of April. And on the first Tuesday, we visit with District 877 Superintendent Dr. Scott Tillman, who joins us on spring break today. Kind of, if spring ever get, officially it's here, I guess, but it uh, doesn't look much like it. <laughs> no, it doesn't. I think we're going to have a snow and rain mix. Is that what I heard? I believe today? so, yeah. That's uh, what yeah. they've kind of settled on for us. But, um, yeah, some more uh, snow up north. Wow. Had a nice snowstorm last Friday. <laughs> Yuck. <laughs> what did we end up um, having? How many inches? You know, in five, area? five or six seems to be kind of the consensus. Yeah. You know. yeah. That's what I was I was thinking about, six inches. Mm-hmm. But they, I read um, online that uh, Monticello was reporting 12 inches. Uh, um, could be. I don't know. I I did not get that. I I had a listener in Montrose say about eight solid inches there, so I, it could have varied a little bit. Yeah, yeah, I believe that. So, uh, fingers crossed. We're hoping for for spring, yeah. and I know that the the kids that are in track and and baseball and lacrosse and uh, tennis and all of the different sports are have their fingers crossed through softball, <laughs> sure, yeah. um, wanting to get outside and uh, practice. Well, the calendar's on our side here now, so we gotta we got to think it's going to turn here pretty soon. The uh, legislative clock keeps ticking here. I know you want to start with that today. I do. Um, we did. Uh, the last time I was on the radio with you, we knew the... The February forecast was finalized, and we had the $17.5 billion, but we were still waiting for the House and Senate for their targets of, of for education and, and overall budget and where they were going to spend it. Um, the House and Senate uh, and the governor agreed to a $2.2 billion increase over the biennium, which is um, far exceeds anything that I've ever seen in my career, and um, and that's 21 years. And um, I guess I could say this might be the good old days um, <laughs> as far as when we might be getting something. Um, the, so now, you know, the, the sausage is being made at the Capitol and they're coming through and saying, okay, we, we agree with this piece of it uh, in the House and we agree with this in the Senate and uh, they're going to have to reconcile that. So, for example, in the in the per-pupil education funding formula, this is what um, how schools are funded. Uh, it's based on how many students are walking across our thresholds and enrolled in our schools, um, and that varies every year. That is um, how we would um, receive our per-pupil education funding. So in the House proposal uh, in the first year, the um, House is proposing a 4% increase in the first year, and then the um, Senate is increasing the per-pupil funding formula by 4% also. So there they have agreement in that first year, and then when we add in the governor, um, he agrees with that 4% in the first year of um, of, um, per-pupil funding. In the second year, that's where things uh, change. Um, the House is um, saying that school districts should get a 2% increase, um, and the Senate is saying that the school districts should get 5% increase. 
But here's here's a big difference uh, even beyond that. Um, in the House, they are saying that moving forward, they would have future increases tied to inflation, but then not to exceed 3%. Um, even if inflation was 6%, they would only ca- they would cap it at three percent, so that would be the highest in any out year um, that a school district could could receive. Now, um, the Senate does not tie it to inflation, um, and so I think that's why their second year is is um, so high. School districts have been asking for this to happen for many years, as far as um, having it tied to. Uh, future increases tied to inflation because every year we are sitting at like right now we're going through we're um, cutting staff or making any adjustments that we need to um, by April um, because uh, in law teachers have the right and and staff have the right to appeal if there's any type of layoff or what we call a unrequested leave of absence. And so districts are going through this whole process every year with their HR department and saying, oh, and their finance department and saying, we don't really know what the what they're going to land on. We don't know how much a school district might receive. And based on that, we might say, oh, well, we might get uh, 2% in the first year, even though somebody might be talking about 4%, because you just don't know until in this case, May 22nd. So I think the language is it's the first Monday or the Monday after the third Saturday in May is the official end to um, the legislative session. So um, when the gov- and the governor is saying that he would, his uh, recommendation is to uh, tie future increases to inflation. So that would be preferable because we certainly could just look at the CPI and know by whatever the cutoff date is that the House and or that the legislature is going to use, we could say, okay, we know we're going to get X amount, and then we can staff um, based on that, um, based on our projected enrollments and based on um, what we anticipate to have additional revenue. So. Um, it is um, preferable from a school district standpoint to have the governor in the House uh, and their proposal uh, for the general education funding formula, um, even though the Senate is saying 5% in the second year, um, it does not tie it to inflation. So those, that's, those are big uh, items there. Um, the other, probably the bigger item, is... Um, the education, uh, special education uh, funding deficit. And I say the deficit is because the state and the federal government have not been fully funding, um, have not been fully funding uh, special education. Um, They passed the Individuals with Disabilities Education Act in 1975, but have yet to fully fund that at their commitment from the federal level. And then the state of Minnesota um, has um, their requirements go well beyond the federal level, and and they have not picked up their end of it. But um, the states are uh, responsible for funding public education. So um, regardless if the federal government is not paying for that, 
um, the states are responsible for fully funding um, public education. So um, this um, this proposal by um, the House and the Senate and the governor um, are differing a little bit um, in what they're uh, proposing. So the governor is proposing to increase the cross-subsidy or reduce the the cross-subsidy, what they call the special edu- or I call the special education deficit, reduce that deficit by 47.8%. Um, and that would be a huge change. Um, right now, the Buffalo-Hanover-Montrose uh, School District is underfunded in the cross-subsidy by um, uh, $1,211. Um, we increased from that we in, that in deficit was increased from 6.2 million dollars uh, to 7.1 million dollars annually. So we divert those dollars to cover the costs that the state is not paying. So if we can reduce that um, that deficit by uh, almost half, that would be an incredible um, uh, increase. Um, and you could see that it would be, you know, about um, $600 per pupil um, that we would uh, receive additional revenue on. And we have never seen anything like that in a funding formula increase. So cross-subsidy or that special education deficit is huge for for school districts. So then proposals between the governor and the House and the Senate are, are different. As I said, the governor and the House both are saying they would reduce the, the cross-subsidy deficit by 47.8%. Um, in the Senate, though, they are doing something a little bit different. They're phasing it in, and they um, reduce it by 40% for the next school year. And then um, they're looking at reducing it by um, 47.3% in the next year of the biennium. And then they make a commitment to the third year, which is not included in this um, biennium uh, official budget, but um, reduce that uh, deficit by 60% in fiscal year 26. So that would be the 25, 26 school year. So, um, you know, that's that's great for school districts because we, you know, we've been talking about the uh, cross-subsidy or the special ed deficit for um, over a decade. Um, and we had the ed organizations and school districts had a proposal in front of the legislature and as our legislative platform to say, hey, why don't you take a look at this and over the next four bienniums, so the next eight years, and this was back in like 2015, um, why don't you take and address 25% of the cross-subsidy and so in eight years, you would uh, fully fund the special ed deficit. And um, they have not taken us up on that. So this is the first time that they've really made any commitment to um, that um, uh, funding that uh, special ed deficit. So we're very excited about that. Um, in addition, um, 
we're hoping that uh, House File 1271, I testified at the, at the um, Capitol for um, the Education Finance, uh, uh, House Finance Committee, and um, asking for uh, this bill to um, be passed. It, it is going to be in the tax committee. And um, because what it does, it, it re- increases the equalization aid uh, based on property values. And so um, if this bill were to pass, um, it would mean uh, a reduction in our uh, property taxes of approximately $1.2 million on an annual basis. So um, that is an incredible um, uh, property tax relief um, for our community, and we're hoping that that can um, uh, be passed. Um, there are some provisions within um, within the omnibus education bill that um, in the House and or the Senate's uh, finance and and policy bills that um, will put some restrictions on school districts and. One of the things is our compensatory revenue. Right now, currently, um, school districts have discretion over 50% of the of the uh, allocation that uh, school districts receive that they can um, use it um, not explicitly in the place that it's generated, and it's generated from our uh, students who receive free and reduced lunch. Um, I will say that. Um, I think I mentioned this in the previous, we have the universal free meals um, bill that was passed, and so the governor has already signed that. There is a concern about compensatory education funding because that's tied to free and reduced lunch counts. And now that everybody is qualified for free free breakfast and lunch, um, last time that reduced our compensatory revenue by half, um, this time, uh, they're saying they have a one-year um, hold harmless clause in there, but we won't know in the out years, um, in years uh, two and three. So we are a little apprehensive at, at this, but they're also saying that um, 80% of the funds will have to be spent at the place that they're generated, which is is fine. We can look at that and make that happen um, just as you know, I talk about school funding. We receive some federal dollars from for Title One, and again, that's based on free and reduced lunch population. Well, in the last five years, our uh, Title One dollars have been reduced by half, and um, so other states are receiving more. Minnesota is receiving less, and um, that impacts us and what we can provide. Uh, the resources and support for our Title I schools. In our case, um, we want to provide at least one Title I school in the three, or uh, Title I uh, teacher in the three Title I schools that we have of um, Montrose, Parkside, and Tatanka. And um, we've been having to use um, the Title I dollars don't cover the, the three positions, so we've been taking it from uh, the federal ESSER dollars, and from the general fund. So um, just wanted to, um, there's so many moving parts in all these funding mechanisms um, that, you know, we 
we lose money in one bucket and we gain it in another, and we all have to um, balance that. Um, there are a couple of things that are coming out right now um, that are included in both the House and the uh, Senate. Um, they have provisions to provide unemployment insurance to hourly and unlicensed school employees. Um, these, um, in the past, um, school districts have not done that because um, we have resolutions uh, that we pass every spring ensuring that all of our um, non-licensed um, hourly employees um, are going to be re-employed in the fall. At one time, school districts would lay off a lot of these folks and then have to come back in the fall and hire them again. Um, the new provision here is that, um, and, and so by doing that um, that resolution, it ensured that they were going to be employed in the fall and so that they um, they did not qualify for unemployment. Um, and now the provision in the House and Senate are saying that school districts are going to have to pay uh, unemployment um, for uh, the hourly employees and the unlicensed school employees. Um, the only problem with that is that they didn't put a mechanism in place to pay for that because school districts, um, unlike businesses, don't pay don't pay unemployment insurance um, um, monthly. They they are um, told that we need to levy for that, and we rarely have uh, unemployed staff. Um, it's it would be a, a severe recession. It probably happened a couple of times, and it and it wouldn't be uh, very many people, and so the school district levies those um, costs, um, this provision would not allow the school district to levy those costs. So um, it's, uh, you know, I'm not sure exactly what that that amount would be. Um, we're looking at that and what kind of an impact it would have for the Buffalo Hanover Montrose School District. Um, but we'll... You know, we'll see as we uh, hear more about these bills um, and what that amount might be. It could be as much as uh, a fifth of, of the additional funds that we're receiving um, from the state. So um, while we have some great news in, in the funding formula and addressing the special education uh, funding deficit, there are some aspects of of what's being proposed that will um, uh, inhibit our ability to um, provide as many um, um, uh, things as uh, uh, resources for our students as we want to have. Um, there's other provisions within these bills that extend uh, teacher planning time and prep time, and um, those are, are fine. Um, it's just when we when we look at that, uh, we have to make sure that we have the staff to um, to cover and and uh, supervise students while um, they are in those uh, the the teachers and uh, their prep or planning time. So we're looking at that. Some uh, provisions in here about class sizes and um, 
and those um, we're always working on, but they're not mandated by the state. And so uh, that's always an uh, inherent managerial right for school districts. And in our case, we're always working to have those as low as possible. And, um, and we have ratios that we, that we work with and have for over, um, probably a decade and a half. So it's, um, as I said, it's, it's really great news um, on one hand, and then um, we have to work through some of the provisions um, that might um, tie our hands or, or unfunded is what we call uh, some of these are unfunded mandates. And I think they just say, well, we're giving you a, a few more dollars, uh, so you're going to have to just take it out of that. So that's what we have to caution, or I want to caution people, is to not get our expe- expectations too high because there are unfunded provisions within uh, what's being recommended, and then we have to parse through all of that and say, oh, we thought we were, you know, they have a run out there where it says, hey, Buffalo's going to get uh, $4 million more. Well, once you take into consideration you know, that our enrollment has decreased and um, we um, we have a cross-subsidy. Which number are they using? Uh, that four, $4 million might look like one point or 2.5 uh, when it's all done after you uh, make all the adjustments. So um, it, it looks great and pie in the sky. And like I said, this um, might be um, one for the ages because I've never seen anything like it. At the same time, we don't want to be overly optimistic and say, hey, you know, the, um, everything's solved now. So we just have to parse through all of those pieces. Scott, it always uh, amazes me that, um, you know, some of these issues and some of these um, measures within measures within measures are so complex. Um, from the lawmaker's perspective, um, no matter which you know, side of the aisle you sit on, uh, just the uh, complexity of it all. Plus, you know, at the same time they're trying to formulate all of this, they've got, you know, about 50 to 80 other issues going on at the same oh, time. Yeah. And yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's very complicated. Yeah, that's why we're always talking to them, to make sure <laughs> they understand our, yeah. our issues. And, you know, they passed over a thousand bills, and um, I got a 12-page summary a 12-page summary on on what um, on on the omnibus education bills in the House and Senate mm. uh, policy and finance bills. So it's um, parsing through all that and keeping. Um, it helps, you know. 21 years as a superintendent, um, you you have a grasp of it, but you have to look at every every detail in these um, in these proposed bills. Yeah. Well, as you say, though. Um no matter what, it, it looks like there will be a little breathing room for not yeah. only District yep. 877, but yep. but many, many others, too. So, Yeah, it's wonderful. It's wonderful. It's just I, I don't want people to have um, too high expectations because <laughs> we have to parse through and right. see what, what all those pieces mean. But, yes, we're very, very thankful for it. Um, and I guess I'll just end. Uh, I know I ran pretty long on that segment. Um I just want to um, recognize we uh, recognized a few of the folks, but um, we had uh, high school 
teams and individuals who qualified and participated in state tournaments, uh, recognized senior Jonah Anderson and freshman Aiden Herbst at the Class 3A state wrestling tournament, uh, seniors Ty Kosick and Cooper Polzine and Kayla Roeder, uh, sophomores Ryan Close and Noah Whitkey, and freshman Mason Pilcher in the Class AA boys swim and dive meet, and then uh, junior Kaylee Damer and senior Audrey Strike in the Class AA state gymnastics meet. Uh, our mock trial team went to the state tournament. Our knowledgeable uh, team went to the state meet, and our boys basketball um, team uh, were section champions for the Class 4A state tournament, and the team um, also earned or was named the Class uh, 4A academic champion. So congratulations to all of our students, and um, we're very proud of them. And look forward, like we began the conversation, to um, more opportunities this spring, and um, and see if we can ever get out there for the for the um, uh, practices. Um, see how well we do this spring. Sounds good. A week from Thursday, we got the pork chops for the uh, eight seven seven oh, foundation. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for saying that. And and they are. Um, you can buy your pork chops in advance. Um, if you go to the bhmschools.org website, bhmschools, plural, uh, .org website, we have a tile right on the front page. You can click on that, and it says uh, tickets available for pork chop dinner. Um, we will have ever the ability to come in and eat inside, and um, I really like that part of it. Um, I serve the pork chops and help out and, and schmooze a little bit, I guess, <laughs> with people that are having uh, dinner inside in the uh, middle school um, uh, cafeteria. And so that's at Buffalo Community Middle School on um, April 13th, Thursday, next Thursday, April 13th. Um, we start serving at 430 and we'll end at 7 p.m. And there's either dine-in, as I said, or curbside. And um, so you can, they have a great curbside. We started that a few years ago. That's been very popular. Um, one pork chop meal is $12. And if you have two pork chops, it's $17. And it includes beans, applesauce, chips, and dessert. Uh, we also have a kid's hot dog hot dog meal for $5. And if you go on our website, there's a QR code and you can just scan it with your phone and you can buy the tickets in advance, um, just uh, electronically. We'll also have tickets available to purchase at the door. So thank you for bringing that up. All right. Well, we'll uh, get this one on the air for today, Scott, and uh, we'll look forward to seeing what happens here by the end of the uh, session. And a little bit of a wrap-up maybe by the next time that we talk to you. Yeah, it should. we should know a lot more. Okay. Sounds All good. Right. Have a great you month. You bet. District 877 Superintendent Dr. Scott Thielman comes our way on Spotlight the second Tuesday, uh, first Tuesday, rather, of each month here on KRWC.